0: hello and welcome to another episode of every horror movie on netflix the show where we watch review and discuss Every fucking horror movie on Netflix. I'm Patrick back again this week, as always, with Chris. Hello. And Steven. Greetings. We are gathered here today for our second James Wan movie in uh, a month's time. We're going to be talking about Insidious, Chapter 2. But before we dig into that, you know, as always, we like to do a little catch-up on the horror-related things we've been watching, reading, otherwise consuming. What have you guys been uh, digging into lately?
1: Not much, frankly. October came and went, and with it, kind of, my um my extraordinary amount of spooky watching. So I don't have that much to report. I did watch the WNUF Halloween special on Halloween. Oh yeah. What would you think? I, I liked it for the most part. It the the ending was terrible. And, it's been really yeah. and, and after a certain point I'm like or I don't need as many commercials. But. Yeah. <laughs> well
2: am I am I correct in remembering that some of the commercials do repeat themselves too? Oh, they do. They yeah. do. Yeah.
1: Which uh, but, and- I feel like that was part of the, the gimmick and part of the stick. Like uh-huh. like the the whole premise of the show seemed to be like okay, here's like you know a, a special, but it's ninety percent commercials and <laughs> like every like I, I felt that it, that the the movie was aware of what we wanted to see and was deliberately just trying to put as many commercials in instead. Much like when you're actually watching something on TV, right? Um, but the 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 ending, I, I did not like at all. Um, other than that, it was uh, it was it was fun.
2: It's yeah, I want, it's a, it's a cute movie, right? It's not it's nothing nothing to
1: necessarily write home about, but it's a good mood setter. I was laughing my ass off for for the first you know thirty to forty minutes, and then, eh, not so much after that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it it has its moments, but it it felt very like kind of overstuffed to me. I was like, okay, you could cut this down to like thirty minutes, and I would get the same the same point essentially. But
2: it had its charms. that's it that's it wow i you know i've still been keeping it spooky honestly i've been i so i have a letterbox now but only to keep track of what i've watched i haven't written reviews or anything and i feel like i could do do you follow me
1: do you follow uh, me, Steven?
2: I, I should, yeah. I don't think He's, I Oh, you should. Smash you that know? follow. <laughs> How the
1: fuck do you not I'm not going to follow
2: you either. Oh, my God. <laughs> I that shit. Um, I could do, like, a whole episode on everything I've watched since Halloween, um, but I, instead I'm only going to mention two things briefly. I watched uh, White of the Eye at the recommendation of our friends over at It Slays. This is a, a Donald Kamel movie from the 80s. He's famous for... Um, he did the, the movie performance. He wrote that the, the Mick Jagger movie from the seventies, um, fucking crazy movie. It's an, it's basically an American interpretation of a giallo set in the desert. And every single shot is beautiful. The camera work is incredible. The dialogue, everything is just full on full steam ahead bonkers from, from moment one. Um, uh, so definitely check that out if that sounds like your bag. Uh, it's a it's a can- it's a canon movie too, so that should tell you everything you
1: need to know. Let me let me interrupt because I the the the, the term Jalo has been thrown around a lot lately. What does it mean, and or what does it mean to you?
2: Um, it's typically kind of a lurid mystery with a a, a, a mysterious killer with a knife. In my experience, uh, usually very highly sexualized, really eye popping color
1: palette. Hmm. I saw, I saw a tweet that was like um and i wish i could attribute the the, the author but it was like uh, anytime a horror movie uses a neon light and it's like the reviewers are like this is a kaleidoscopic delirious
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that totally is a thing that's so funny <laughs> Uh, The other thing I watched, I don't know if you guys have heard of this, Um, it's a 2020 movie called The Empty Man, and I think I caught this on HBO Max. People keep recommending it to me, and I'm like, well, it sounds like The Bye-Bye Man or Slender Man, like one of those creepypasta things, you know, young kids encountering, you know, uh, uh, a dangerous, evil urban legend figure. And it is that in places, but it's also a lot more. This is like kind of five different movies crammed into one. And I can see why the studio just like didn't even release it to theaters, but it's become kind of a cult hit during the pandemic, especially for, so it's way too long, right? I'd say it's about 20 minutes too long. And that is because the first 15 to 20 minutes is a self-contained prologue that works as a short film on its own. And is really fucking scary. Um, the rest of the movie kind of fails to match that the, that height of dread. But I would say if if this sounds even remotely intriguing to you, just watch the first 20 minutes and see what you think. I think you could stop there and skip the rest of the movie um, and, and be totally fine. But there was a lot I, I liked in the movie, and it had some interesting kind of twists that I haven't seen before. So that's The Empty Man. Patrick, what do you got for us?
0: well speaking of giallo and giallo inspired things i saw last night in soho uh, edgar wright's new film which i i really liked i feel like i liked it more than the general critical consensus seems to be um critics
2: are shitting on that movie man but everybody yeah. i've talked to says go see it immediately
0: yeah i i really enjoyed it i mean it's definitely him doing a horror film for the first time which i love to see because i think he's a phenomenally talented director who i fucking love and it was fun to see him play in that genre um it's there's there's it's it's surprisingly thematically resonant i think a pretty effective feminist piece especially for a movie about female characters written by a man it felt like a very empathetic um accurate piece um and it fucking looks beautiful you know it's a great great ride um really enjoyed that um
2: it and looked, also, I was getting kind of a kind of a neon kaleidoscopic
0: <laughs> Suspiria vibe from the trailer. Can I that, expect that? <laughs> that was exactly what I thought of when Chris brought up the thing about the neon sign because there is a neon yeah. sign in the movie.
1: And I think that's that's why I saw that tweet. Yeah. But, um, so I, maybe this is a spoiler, but is it last night in Soho referring to what happened last night, or this is our last night?
0: Um. It, it could both. go. It could go either way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, a little clever, a little clever. Yeah, yeah, I think it's intended that way. Uh, And also, speaking of our good friends at It Slays, uh, y'all should go check out their latest episode, which I gusted on. We reviewed uh, Paranormal Activity 1 and 2. If you're a regular Amon listener, you'll know It Slays is a good friend of, uh, of Amon. And uh, Rowan, their host, has joined us before for the episode where we reviewed every Nightmare on Elm Street movie ever. Um, it was great hanging out with those guys. Great revisiting those movies, uh, especially the original Paranormal Activity, which, as you all know, is one of the movies that terrified me most in the theater ever in my fucking life. So it was really fun, uh, you know, going back to those and seeing how they hold up. So go check out their new episode and give them a follow.
2: So, all right. We have every horror movie on Netflix available to us, right? So many movies we've never heard. of. Why the fuck are we watching another James Wan movie,
1: Patrick?
0: Well, you know, Chris and Damn. Chris and <laughs> throwing down this the gauntlet. This
1: guy's coming out swinging. Well, I knew he was going to come out swinging because the the link to our Zoom meeting is titled "Insipid Chapter Pooh." Insipid. 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 Chapter two. do Don't me find my speech impediment. Chapter poo.
2: <laughs> chapter poo. <laughs> Get it right, damn it. Put a lot of hard work into that. <laughs> so would you view it, cue it, or screw it, Stephen? Oh, I don't think that's indicative of my review at all. But I just oh, find okay. it curious that we're watching two kind of kind of big mainstream blockbuster hits in a row.
0: yeah i mean so this is primarily just inspired because the episode before the conjuring chris mentioned that he had been thinking about choosing insipid chapter poo <laughs> and i uh you know i've been on the james juan kick lately i loved this movie when i saw it in the theater it is also one of the movies that terrified me most in the theater of any movie i've ever seen and i was like you know what Let's keep the James Wan train rolling. As I said last episode, I'm going to do a little bit of Chris's dirty work for him and just cut to the chase. We're going to do it Insidious Chapter 2. That's my story.
2: Right on.
1: Well, we reviewed Insidious for Halloween a couple of years ago, so oh, that's right. dear, dear listeners, if you have not seen Insidious or listened to that episode, you should probably do that first. I would hate us to walk into this discussion dropping Insidious spoilers for people who haven't seen the first Insidious, because it's one of my all-time favorite horror movies, and it got pretty good reviews around the table last time, so... uh Go do that, then come back, and we'll talk *Insidious* chapter two.
2: Well, it's also kind of a classic episode, right? We've got one of our greatest skits at the beginning of that one. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, we put a lot of lot of work into that. That was edited, that by one. the way. That was edited, by the way, uh, in the in the waiting room of a hospital while my mom was having brain surgery oh my God. on Halloween Day. Wow! If it's if it's Halloween, it must be saw. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway.
0: Well, yeah. So, I mean, if you, uh, you know, have not seen Insidious and don't care if you have spoilers or if you just need a recap, basically there's a kid played by Ty Simpkins who can astral project into a realm called the Further, which is kind of this purgatory sort of thing where there's lots of spirits of of dead people. Um, He gets trapped in the Further in the first movie, right? And his Mm -hmm. dad played by Patrick Wilson, has to go in and save him. His dad also yeah. has the astral projection ability, but conveniently forgot it because it was erased from his memory by a psychic when he was a little kid.
1: Yes, because he was being stalked by a woman in a black wedding gown, a very mm-hmm. creepy woman, who would show up in the background of photographs uh, every time they took a picture of him. And so to keep him safe from this woman they had to train him not to astral project or have him forget his ability and Um, but then at the end of insidious Mm -hmm. shocking uh it turns out that maybe uh patrick wilson came back from the further he saved his son for sure but he seems to be possessed by the woman in black and he kills his psychic friend played by lynn shea played by iconic queen lynn (laughs) shea Yes, and then iconic queen Rose Byrne comes into the room and, <laughs> and sees something horrifying on, on, a, on a camera and says, oh my god, what's his name? What's his name? Josh. Josh. Josh, Josh, oh my god, oh my god. He says, I'm right here, darling, or something like, like the end of Pet Cemetery, And, and that's the, a, end, of the, the movie. end of the movie.
2: Yeah, that's man, sometimes dead is better, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, it is.
0: And so this movie is reckoning now with Uh, josh being possessed by the spirit seemingly of this woman who tormented him throughout his childhood uh meanwhile his mom tries to find out what the fuck is going on and who this person is that haunted him that's set up for insidious chapter two
1: and good for them in my book for actually sticking through the consequences of the kind of the 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 Twist ending of Insidious, like it would be easy to just pretend that never happened, like you know, a lot of horror movies do, horror sequels do.
0: Yeah, you could have that like gotcha kind of ending where it's like it's not over yet, and and just sort of abandon that. But this very much continues to play in the same sandbox that the first one set up, and you know, it feels like there was actually a plan for this movie from starting from the first movie it seems like there's at least a rough plan to go into this plot for the second one
1: which i appreciate i don't i don't i don't
2: i don't, don't think, think so? so i don't really? think so no. either i chris i i support what you said that like i give him points for for continuing on the same path and t- trying to tie up those loose ends but it makes for a very convoluted movie that also feels like it had like a heavy studio hand in it too. It's just, it's It's like it it go, it goes in all the directions I would want it to based on how the first movie ended, but it just feels kind of, kind of slapped together.
1: Well, I, I read a little bit on Wikipedia about the production of this movie, and, and, um, I mean, the big thing is James Wan and Lee Winnell both came back to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think it seems like there was some question of if they were going to do another one without them or not. And James Wan came back, and, you know, cause he, he did, he did Saw, obviously, and then kind of handed off the sequels to, you know, the, Studio or Darren Lynn Bousman or what have you. And in this one, he was like, no, I would actually like to, want to come back this time and sort of keep the sequel more in line with my vision or whatever. Um, although I think it's a very different movie than the first Insidious in ways that I don't really like.
2: Explain yourself. I did feel um, It did feel different to me, but I couldn't really pin down why.
1: I can't quite put my finger on it either, but I think the main thing is that Insidious uh is is kind of it's pretty coherent and well crafted and and quite scary and then it kind of gets crazier at the end and this movie just kind of takes the crazy vibe from the end of Insidious and puts it over the whole rest of the movie for the most part, I think. Well, you can't yeah. put the genie
2: back in the bottle. I mean, if they just started over again right. and like tried to reset the tone, I think that would have felt pretty tedious. But it is weird right. to have a whole movie that's completely off the rails like this.
1: Right. Like, uh, it seems like they they decided, and 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 not wrongfully so, that mm-hmm. the the point of insidious is like the further and that kind of weird stuff and that aesthetic rather than kind of the more straight-laced haunted house stuff that made up most of the first movie
0: yeah i mean in the conjuring episode we talked about the different sort of degrees of james Wan going batshit and how he you know he modulates that a little bit from film to film exactly how batshit he's gonna go this is Pretty full bat shit, James Wan. Although I will say, it was a, it was not quite as crazy as I remembered it being. I remembered it being sort of just bonkers from square one, and the 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 first stretch, maybe first half of it, was a little more chill than what I thought I remembered. But suffice it to say, it certainly hits an absolute fever pitch of insanity by the end.
2: <laughs> Do you all think there's a correlation between how many gigantic beautifully dressed homes there are in a james wan movie and how crazy it's going to be because i swear there were a dozen houses in this movie and i wanted to live in all of them
0: i had i did have trouble keeping track of which house they were in and whose house it was because there's like josh and renee's house there's the mom's house Mm -hmm. there's parker crane's house so i guess there's maybe just three but it it was, yeah, it was a little hard to track which one they but were in. But they
1: all look the same. They, and and yeah. it's every James Wan movie has these giant houses with this, like, Victorian aesthetic and this big-ass sitting room right off the door and, and all this stuff and the, the piano room and what have you. And it's like that in Insidious. It's like that in Malignant. It's like that in Chapter 2. It's like that in The Conjuring. It's like that in The Conjuring 2. They use the loves, word Malignant just in just movie. these do. They they
0: do use <laughs> it twice right
2: because yeah. there's like a flashback to that moment too and they're in the, the oh
0: yeah later. <laughs> right yeah <laughs> i had forgotten that jocelyn donahue was in this franchise our our girl amon alum <laughs> jocelyn donahue is in this franchise playing oh, the yeah. young barbara hershey
1: By, amon alum from dead awake
0: yeah yeah, yeah. I, I had to remind myself i was like okay what total piece of garbage
2: did we see her in? Yeah. yeah. What did you guys think about the... I was really thrown off by the young Lin Shea at the beginning, like, using <laughs> yeah. Lin Shea's voice. Yeah, using old oh, Lin yeah. Shea's
0: voice. That was very That's disorienting. Fun.
2: I like that. I went into this in a state of total confusion because I can never seem to remember what actually happened in Insidious, and as Chris knows, I forget that I gave it a good review on the show. Um, and I was just like, wait, what? It, Lin Shay's in these movies, right? But no, maybe not. Maybe this actress just sounds like her. I, and, <laughs> no.
1: no. Well, I was confused. I watched um, the new director's cut of Rocky 4 in the theater this week and um, one because, you know, for the most part the movie's very beholden to whatever they shot for Rocky 4 in the first place, so it's not mm-hmm. that different, but there is a moment in the fight where Rocky gets knocked down and things mm-hmm. kind of slow down and much like it does in the more recent Rocky movies like Creed and Rocky Balboa you hear like Rocky's internal monologue where he's like, "Oh, that's a you know, don't don't be afraid. Stand up, look him in the eye, fight him. This is this is your life. You're Whatever. never gonna keep me down." But, <laughs> but it's it's very clearly like 75 year old Sylvester Stallone doing the voiceover, <laughs> which is really weird because it's
2: not, it doesn't sound anything like Rocky did in the 80s. Do they try to like modulate his voice at all digitally? Because I know like Patrick, do you remember when um? The Exile on Main Street reissue came out years ago, and there was that that song "Plunder My Soul" mm, that oh, that yeah. we loved. Uh, where Mick Jagger, like it was an unfinished song, and Mick Jagger sang it at like seventy years old, and they like digitally altered his voice to make oh, it really? sound like it did at the time it was recorded. And it's kind of ghoulish; it doesn't really work. Oh, um, I didn't
0: know that was the no. case. I thought that was like just I thought that was recording from nineteen, you know, sixty whatever.
2: Well, Chris, Ra- wait, hold on a minute. Rocky Four is that the one with the robot? Not did.
1: anymore. They took the robot out.
2: I was going to ask if there's more robot in the director's cut. <laughs> no, there's oh, less damn. robot. Okay. okay. Sly yeah. fucked up.
1: <laughs> yeah, he did.
0: <laughs> but yeah, anyways, Lin Shea's <laughs> old voice is coming out of the ac- the mouth of the young actress who's playing the young Lin Shay, and it's very disorienting and an interesting creative choice. I liked it. But we get to see the moment where she suppressed josh's knowledge or memory of his sort of yeah, like as a young boy. projection as a young boy ability yeah
2: wait so was that covered in the first insidious that, that his ability was suppressed and like now they're just kind of showing us how the sausage got yes. made okay yeah okay. yes
0: yeah it's referred to i think
2: we get that iconic title card at the right after that opening mm, prologue
0: mm, love that oh, yeah. title card Love this dumbass soundtrack where they just drop a piano downstairs the stairs every oh two my God. seconds.
2: I was going to well, say, listen. every time something scary happens, it's like a piano is fallen off the Empire State Building. Yeah. It's so bombastic.
1: I've got I got some news for you on that. that the score for Insidious and Insidious Chapter 2 is by Joseph, Joseph
0: Bishara. Bishara.
1: Oh, you already know. Well, who's that? He already knows. He played well, the he,
0: he played a character in the first Insidious, isn't he? Yeah, he, Darth he played
1: Maul? like the Darth Maul yeah. vil, villain. Yeah. Oh, the first Insidious. no, shit. Yeah, and he also played um, uh, he also played Bathsheba in The Conjuring.
0: Oh wow, yeah, utility player here.
1: Utility Malty, player, <laughs> and and he did the soundtrack for Insidious and Malignant. Dark Skies. Dark Skies, which oh, wow. we just watched. Oh, very um, memorable score in yep. Dark Skies. He did, he, he did the score for Malignant. He did the score for uh, The Conjuring, Insidious Chapter 2, Insidious Chapter 3, Annabelle. He did the score for The Vatican Tapes. He did this <laughs> Your yeah. favorite film. He, he did the score for The Conjuring 2. He did the score for Insidious, The Last Key. He did the score for The Prodigy. And he did the score only for the trench sequence of Aquaman.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. So, pretty good. Great guy. Uh, I think he deserves to be in the Amon Hall of Fame.
0: Sure, why not?
1: All right. We'll we'll get him on the show and induct him.
0: <laughs> well, so weird shit starts happening at fucking Roseburn and Patrick Wilson's house. Their baby, little Callie is constantly being threatened. Um, poor Callie. Poor Callie. And Patrick Wilson slowly starts to turn eviler and eviler, and very evil indeed until he just goes fucking
2: full joker by the end oh
0: yeah he, he becomes <laughs> the joker for sure
1: <laughs> but and then meanwhile we have our, our ghost hunters who are in the first one and and the other guy and and they've returned for comic relief and they, they have a subplot where they're trying to make contact with the ghost of lynn shea and they also are trying to um, um enlist the help of Lin, one of Lin shea's colleagues who is you know Poor man's Lynche, who has uh, his gimmick is instead of you know uh, the, the gas mask, he talks to demons with his dice, which I like that. That was fun. Yeah, very cool. And God bless James Wan and Lee Wanell They always come up with these these unique little uh, devices that I don't haven't seen before in these horror movies. Mm. I appreciate that. Maybe I mean maybe they're just ripping something else off that I haven't seen, but just the idea of this guy who just got these alphabet dice and he just keeps throwing them, <laughs> them and seeing messages in yeah, them. That was fun. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Yeah,
2: I like that. It's hit. like a like spooky Yahtzee kind of.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I just did not feel like this movie was taking itself very seriously, uh, which is fine, I guess. But it kind of reminded me of like an Adam Sandler movie, where it was just like, <laughs> what? "Here's our friends." And we're we're just gonna we're just gonna have a great time making this movie and we're gonna get paid. And all all our friends are here.
0: Yeah, I mean it has the feeling yeah. of like it seems like everybody's having a good time making it.
1: That's the thing. Yeah. And that's what I always liked about this movie. It looks like everybody, especially Patrick Wilson, <laughs> is having the time of their life in oh, this yeah. movie. And I just wish I were having the time of my life watching it. Dude, same. Because <laughs> it, it just seems like more fun to be on the set than to watch the movie.
2: <laughs> oh, I found it super fun. It's just, I don't know. It, I It's been interesting to revisit some of Juan's films after, you know, the masterpiece that is Malignant. After he <laughs> earned your respect, you you
1: just won't believe me that he was a genius. You had to see it for yourself.
2: He's not a genius, but I like I mean I like a lot of the <laughs> elements of craft that he uses. I mean, like there's some spooky shots in this movie. He knows how to move a camera, but it's not scary. And it tries so hard to make you think it's scary. It like it just gets shit really out of fucking me. it just gets loud. That's it. Like, I bet if you watch this movie without the sound on, it wouldn't do anything for you.
1: It gets very loud indeed. (laughs) And that's that it's a jump scare movie. Like, more so than the first Insidious. Mm -hmm. This movie is all about the jump scares and being afraid that there's going to be a jump scare. There's not a lot of dread for me, there's not a lot of suspense. I'm not ever in a situation. where I'm like, oh, I don't want to be here. I'm just like, oh, I'm. When's the loud, When's the piano sting? When's the? When are they gonna throw the piano down the stairs? <laughs> I'm bracing for it. And then so, when
2: you get that, the, he thinks that you need, quote unquote, comic relief. And then we're stuck with those two fuckheads, Specs and Tucker. <laughs> is that <what> is <laughs> Like I hate nothing more in a movie. Uh, I should tone down my anger a little bit here. <laughs> I, something I really dislike in horror movies is that like, when they think they're too scary and that you're going to need comic relief, you're going to need somebody to come in and hold your hand. And I think this movie might have actually creeped me out a lot more if they just cut all of that shit with those two out and sustained the the, the mood of everything else.
0: I don't like characters like that, but I don't find these two that annoying. And I actually don't even think there's that much comic relief with them. I mean there there are some moments that I could do without, like a moment a moment with one of them right towards the end where he like crashes through the wall, I, I don't really think that's oh, particularly yeah, that was some spoiler shit. That was stupid. But I mean for the most yeah. part, I find them inoffensive. To back it up, like a a topic or so though. Like I mean, yeah, it's definitely a loud movie. It definitely like gets by on just startling you rather than scaring you, but also I think it works on a visual level too. I think you could absolutely turn it off and this movie is still disorienting, unsettling. Like there's so many weird moments of, you know, shit walking by in the background or like you turn around and somebody's there who wasn't there before. There's lots of good stuff like that in this. And I think that I think both parts work. Like I think the visuals work and also it's fucking smacking you in the face with the piano falling down the stairs on a regular basis too, which amps up the moments that i that i think would be scary on a visual level for me anyways all i know is i fucking white knuckled it through this movie the first time i saw it and i was struggling with some anxiety issues at the time so i'm sure that contributed um Mm. i mean it didn't like terrify me this time around but it was still definitely startling and unsettling and fun
1: (laughs) for me Mm. One of my favorite things, speaking of the piano falling down the stairs, because it's in the first Insidious, and then we see it again in this movie for reasons that we'll probably get into in the in the spoiler room. But there's uh, that jump scare where there's the ghost demon guy behind the crib mm-hmm. when Rose Byrne goes in to take oh, a look. Yeah. And it's really interesting to me how they time the music stinger for that, because it's not as soon as you see them. It's like they figured, all right, we're going to put this on the screen and we're going to make a guess about how long it's going to take you to see the guy (laughs) for your brain to process. There's a guy there and we're going to time the cue with that. And it works. It's really effective. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how they did that. It's amazing. Using psychology. But, I mean, this is fun, you know? It's a fun movie. Everybody's having a good time, I guess. You know? What can you say about it? I, I I don't find the comic relief guys... For what this movie's trying to be, I don't mind the comic relief guys. I didn't mind them in Insidious Chapter 1, either. But, I mean, I totally understand why you wouldn't like them. Um, The, the thing is, it's like, whenever you have a comic comic relief characters... I don't like the idea of a comic relief character, to be honest. Yeah. Like... Like, I think I think probably the scenes of them doing the ghost hunting and the conjuring with two very serious characters are probably as funny as the scenes of these comic relief guys doing ghost hunting. Just because you put them in a funny situation and, you know... I don't know humor humor comes out of the character like like realistic characters and how they relate to each other I think better than it does being like oh look here's Jar Jar Banks. he's crazy
2: <laughs> yeah I mean there there are some just straight up jokes written for these characters and they don't come they don't feel natural and they're not funny to me they're it's inoffensive I, I think is the word Patrick used to describe them but uh, but unnecessary still. Yes, that's right. Like you know, I,
1: I I think of I think of like Han Solo when I think of comic relief because Han Solo is not a comic relief character, but he's fucking hilarious just in the way he sees the world and relates <laughs> to the people around him. Yeah, he's a serious guy.
0: But yeah, the comic relief characters and
1: Bishop should put Harrison Ford in this movie.
0: Sure, and Barbara Hershey and the psychic who should be played by harrison ford all end up being oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) harrison ford in this movie would be amazing
1: i want to see him (laughs) shooting dice like that yeah
0: (laughs) the dice lead them to go to the hospital where barbara hershey used to work and they end up being sort of led by sort of like inconclusive means that were not clear to me why and how they ended up going to this particular room but they end up finding out that what's going on is somehow connected to this strange patient named Parker Crane who Barbara Hershey treated when she was a Jocelyn Donahue back in the day. Yeah. And, uh, and Josh,
1: when she was in her Jocelyn Donahue era.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And Josh had some strange connection to Parker Crane. He thought something was a little off with Parker Crane, but he didn't know what. And then Parker Crane died.
1: Parker Crane died. Or did he?
0: Yeah. We're told was,
1: he died. Uh, that that gets that gets into scary stories to tell in the dark territory because where you have this scene where you know he's on the elevator yeah. and then she's like, hey, why is Parker out of his room? And they're like, Parker died two days ago. It was horrible. <laughs> Jumped <laughs> off the building or something. <laughs> like that's that, that's your little scary story to tell in the dark moment.
0: Yeah, I feel like that pretty much teases us up for the the spoiler room, doesn't it?
1: That teases us up for the spoiler room. I, I think, think so. Yeah, yeah. Because there are some twists and turns, but you know that's why we have a spoiler room.
0: So who wants to review it first? Who wants to say whether they would view it, cue it, or screw it?
1: I'll do, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> All right, go for it. <laughs> I will give it a cue it as much as I love James Wan. And I love insidious. This just is not half the movie uh, insidious is to me. God bless everybody. They're having a great time. It's fun to watch. Um, there are some ideas too. There are two ideas, which we will talk about in the spoiler room, that I really, really like, maybe three if you count the dice, Um, th- that are are worth your time spent with this movie. But, um, you know, you're not missing much, I think, if you watch the first Insidious and you don't keep up with the rest of the franchise. It's not Saw, where the returns only get exponentially greater the more sequels you watch. Um, <laughs> Watch the first Insidious and call it good. Cue it. <laughs> Steven. (laughs) I'll give it a low cue it. I mean,
2: yeah, it's not the first Insidious by any means. It's a very convoluted confused movie at times but it, i it, that's not to say I didn't have some fun with it I, you know, I I enjoyed the visuals there were a couple of good spooky moments in it some really great and fun performances I mean I think Barbara Hershey and, and Lynn Shea are wonderful Patrick Wilson it, it's just such a treat to see him go so fucking over the top by the end of this movie he's having the most fun of anyone for sure mm-hmm. um, but you know its it's a jump scare movie and that's just not really my bag at the end of the day so low cue it for me, Patrick, I, I think I can suspect where you're going to go with this, but let's hear it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a view it. I guess, you know, if if we're going to like kind of qualify it, maybe a low view it. I think it was not quite as fun and crazy and scary as I remembered it being, but I still had a, you know, damn good time with it. It's a little loosey goosey. The plot doesn't quite make sense at various points, but It's a blast. You know, it's it's just James Wan going pretty crazy. And as Chris pointed out before, seemingly just having fun with a lot of people who he likes to collaborate with. So it's a pleasure to watch.
2: A pleasure to watch. I want to see that on the Blu-ray.
0: <laughs> pleasure to watch. And it and and it includes Patrick Wilson going full dun dun dun. <laughs> Before we go down to the spoiler room, as usual, we will encourage you to go uh, give us a follow, give us a like on uh, your social media platform of choice. We are Amon cast, that's E-H-M-O-N cast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, if you haven't already, go rate us and write a review for us on your podcast provider of choice. We always love to get that feedback, of course, and it helps more people find the show. If we have more folks out there uh, telling the world how great we are, hopefully, like don't don't tell the world that we're mediocre or bad because we just we don't we don't we don't we don't need, we don't need that we don't need that energy. Um, What's the other thing I'm supposed to tell them to do? Oh, go to our website, netflix.com where you can see a list of every goddamn movie should, should we've ever watched. Should they go to the website? <laughs> oh, yeah. Should it'll, it'll,
1: it's going to be fixed. It'll be fixed soon. It'll be fixed soon. Don't worry. So,
0: like, next year? Actually, next It'll year's is pretty soon. Pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> the, the,
1: the website is like Patrick Wilson's body in The Conjuring, or in, in <laughs> City's Chapter 2. Yeah.
0: It's, uh, the, the dead soul is killing the, the live flesh
1: of yeah. the website. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, if you go there, you can probably maybe access a list of every movie we've ever watched, and hopefully still link to our merch store as well. Yeah. <laughs> all right should we uh head down the stairs and through that bright red door into the basement
1: yep absolutely always let's do it
0: all right drop that piano down the stairs and let's go Right, we have gone down to the basement, we have gone into the further, everything is very blue now, there's a lot of fog everywhere, and we are ready to probe the astral plane to share every spoiler from Insidious Chapter 2 with you.
1: You know, it's a common misconception that the further is blue. The further is actually colorless, the further is pitch black, it's just that you go into the further with a a glowing blue lantern.
0: Are you reading like the the Wikipedia entry on the further. No, I'm just,
1: or... I'm just recalling on my photographic memory of the further. Because they have the bright so you blue think lanterns. The
0: lan- but you think the lantern is blue. Like not the, There's not something naturally about the, the pigmentation of the further that causes the lantern to appear blue. Right. It's all an illusion, man. Light's just an illusion.
1: I really it's like the Matrix.
2: I really like the further, and I liked it I, like it... I like the shots of it more in this movie than in the first one, actually. I just love the the kind of dead zone like pitch black with a giant house and you know like hammer horror fog rolling all over the place and spooky people moving around in the darkness it's great it's scary it's so simple it's
1: scary i don't want to be dead in the
2: further yeah it's so it's so simple and such a cheap effect but done brilliantly and i think that's how james Wan has been one reason he's been able to make these like 5-10 million dollar movies that make 200 million at the box office. Very Wait, inventive what is guy. the reason. Um I mean he kind of he he I don't want to say he cuts corners but he finds like really cheap simple setups for his scares. Oh, yeah. Um so he's oh, yeah. he's able to keep things on a really small scale and and make an even bigger return when the thing becomes a hit. But yeah, I mean
0: everything looks great. I mean talk about giallo like there's fucking colored like bright primary colors everywhere in this motherfucker and I love it
2: oh my god is it Barbara Hershey's house that has the red the single red window yeah. I fucking love that yeah and it, it gets so much use too. there's so many shots where like you see the red light coming down the staircase it's fantastic I don't know why you would place something like that in your house if you're you know you've had experiences with the supernatural and you're spooked all the time but it worked for me yeah yeah, it looks great.
1: I'm going to put a red porch light lantern on my house when I have a house.
2: Oh, like Put-In-Bay
1: to keep the, uh, the Mayflies away, right? Yeah, to, to, to keep the Mayflies away.
0: Steven actually kind of looks like he's in a scene from Insidious right now, actually. He's yeah. got a green light in his in his room, and it looks like there's kind of a red backlight. It looks very insidious.
2: Is it kaleidoscopic, it, <laughs> though? It's kaleidoscopic, it looks, for sure. It looks,
1: like <laughs> if you, it looks like if you turn the ca- your camera around, we would see, like, a, a, a Steven clone in a green tank <laughs> of fluid <laughs> <laughs> trying to get out. Or maybe the original Steven trying to get out, and you're the clone.
0: <laughs> in Darth Maul makeup.
2: Yeah. Well, the reality is you'll never
1: know because I'm never
2: turning this camera around. <laughs> what lurks behind? Uh, leave it up to your imagination. Or
1: it's just a or it's just a Christmas tree and you're you're putting decorations. I we early.
2: don't put Christmas trees up in my household. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Well, since Steven's not going to spoil
0: for us what's in his room, we might as well spoil what happens in Insidious Chapter Two. All it turns it. out, and and this is one of the things that bugs me about this movie a little bit that I had forgotten about. It turns out that the black clad. Uh, bride that's been haunting Patrick Wilson all these years who we have assumed is a female bodied person is in mm-hmm. fact Parker Crane which i mean fine i guess but plays into some sort of regressive tropes i think
2: well yeah and when he was a when he was a child his mo- his mother wanted a girl right so yeah. he's dressed as a girl um looks a little bit like annabelle from behind in a couple of shots mm. Mm. yeah which i a found kind of interesting tales, yeah um,
1: yeah, yeah, his
0: mother like abused him, and then he grew up to be a serial killer who wears a dress and puts on makeup to kill people. And
1: and, and don't forget, he was in the hospital because he tried to castrate himself. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's very like, sleepaway camp, you know. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen Sleepaway Camp, but I'll say, yeah, I agree.
0: Well, now you know the ending of Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Spoiler alert. All right. It's well, very, we are in the, it's very the crying game.
1: <laughs> we're we're in the spoiler room so I can't complain too much about spoilers. Um yeah, I mean, you know, there's nothing I don't think there's I don't think there's anything mean-spirited or necessarily no. problematic about this stuff, but it does kind of uh fit into a problematic legacy of of, you know, of how gender non-conformity has been depicted in horror movies. Yeah, as, as being just inherently evil and fucked up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. it's like,
2: uh, I'll spoil another movie. Suspicious Dr- at best. Yeah, it weirdly did not, you know, I was expecting to feel at least slightly offended during this movie. And I, I really wasn't, though. I don't know what it was about it. I mean, maybe yeah. it's just that, like, I, I, I didn't take anything in this movie very <laughs> seriously or put too much thought into it. I don't know. It really toes think- that line, though.
0: I think some of it is that he does couch that whole twist and the character of the mother in um, just this air of, like, very soapy, like, kind of ridiculousness. Like, every line that the mother says, especially when you get to, like, the scene where it's flashing back to her abusing him as a a kid and screaming at him. Like, it's just, it's played so far over the top. And you, I feel like he's telling you, like, Yes, this is absurd and and over the top, and you're supposed to be there with me, you know. And I I, Mm -hmm. I think I think it just it it cues you in to not take it too seriously, which I
1: think. And also, none of it none of it really seems to indicate Parker Crane has a gender identity. Of any sort, like like it's not about him trying to express his gender identity. Mm-hmm. It's about just him being manipulated by an abusive mother who wants him to be a girl and kill people. Mm-hmm. That's how I read it, anyway. Yeah, there's
2: another moment in this movie that like. I expected to feel more problematic than it did so I as much as I hate Specs and Tucker I totally ship those two like I felt from the <laughs> beginning of this movie I was like these guys are in love with each other and they don't know it and there is a there is a little moment where Specs puts his hand on Tucker's leg and doesn't let go and Tucker just kind of gives him like a really suspicious look with his eyes and I was like oh my god this is like the closest I've ever seen a movie to be on the verge of gay panic but it doesn't go there it just cuts away mm. and it ends up just being kind of a sweet little moment
0: well there is also a joke later where like one of them wakes up and the other one is on top of him and that's also it's yeah. it's not played like su- uh, again it's not played like super high for like lol gay you know but it, it it had that same kind of air to it where I was like, eh, really? Do we need a joke about how it's awkward and weird that these guys are, they're two men and they're close to each other, you know? I don't know.
1: Another Adam Sandler connection there.
0: Yeah, really.
1: <laughs> was that the point, or was the point just that Specs was trapped because he couldn't get up underneath from underneath Tucker's body?
0: I don't know. I've watched it twice. I thought and that's both, how I read it, but what Yeah, but I've it? watched it twice in the last two days, and I, I feel both times I felt like, that was at least an element of what you were supposed to be taking from that scene, but that was just my read.
1: Well, let's get Lee Winnell on the show yeah. and cancel him. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, so we figure all that out, and what's the other big spoiler that I'm trying to think of right now? Fucking... Well, Patrick Wilson loses
1: his shit. Uh, well... Yeah yeah and and uh, i mean i i probably won't be alone in saying the best scene of the movie is when patrick wilson's confronting the dice man oh my man. god Yes. <laughs> oh <Amazing>. jesus yes <laughs> i a whole movie like the that. makeup artist who like, did
0: his makeup for this movie is my fucking hero like he just gets like so heavily contoured and like such heavy lines drawn into his face and it gets progressively more like exaggerated as the movie goes on and i fucking mm. love it
2: yeah because he's so mm-hmm. like the real his soul is trapped in the further right am i understanding this yeah. correctly yeah and his, yeah. his his body is is inhabited by Parker Crane. a ghoul and he is de- he's basically decomposing yeah for for most yeah. of the movie is a little like the um the dead friend in american world from london though not nearly as graphic
0: <laughs> the dead soul is killing the live flesh
1: beautiful yeah. it's but, beautiful but but this is there's this great scene where this the psychic guy is, is knows that this guy is possessed by this ghost and is trying to uh, sedate him so he can mm. do a ritual so he comes comes over and they have a cup of coffee and it's very civil and you know there's there's lots, that's great dramatic tension because we know that the psychic knows that Patrick Wilson is a demon mm-hmm. Patrick Wilson doesn't really know that this guy's on to him, and he's playing everything off like Patrick Wilson. And then there comes to a, a point where Patrick Wilson comes into him, uh, comes up to him, and he's you know got his hand behind his back, and he's like, <laughs> "What do you got behind your back?" And he's like, "Why don't you ask your dice?" <laughs> <laughs> I was, was my favorite line of the movie, <laughs>
2: screaming out loud. And this is also <laughs> the point
0: in the movie where Patrick Wilson is just doing a Joker grin after every sentence that he says, like this yeah. big toothy grin, yeah. and it's. So it's just
1: so delightful. And and he does ask his dice, which I thought was funny how he followed through with it. And he does it right in front of him. Um, and I was really pleased too because there's a baseball bat, like, a, for no reason at all. There's a baseball bat on the china cabinet, <laughs> where this guy's throwing the dice. And I'm like, that is Chekhov's baseball bat. <laughs> I'm gonna be really upset if Patrick Wilson doesn't get hit by this bat. Somebody's got to.
2: Somebody's got to say swing away by the end of this movie. Yeah. That's what I was hoping yeah. for. It. it shows up
0: earlier in the movie though. Remember because uh, he's talking to Rose Byrne and trying to like downplay what's going on, and then he's like, "I'm gonna take care of this," and he like walks the is like of the the entryway to their living room and he walks through the entryway you see him walk past then he walks back through with the bat and he's like i'm gonna go take care of this uh, and it's like yeah go beat up the ghost dude
1: something else i really liked is they um they end up in the further and they're trying to like they're basically trying to go back and and communicate with the young uh patrick wilson for some reason to basically they're trying to find i think the ghost the ghost mom parker crane's mom's spirit in the further they're trying to find her right i think so i think so but for some contrived reason they end up at the house from the first insidious while the events of the first insidious are taking place mm-hmm. and it's like a back to the future part two thing where we find out that like the inex mm-hmm. un- unexplained knocking at the door that they experienced in the first Insidious was Patrick Wilson knocking on the door to try to get in the house in Insidious, too. Oh, is that in the first really Insidious? enjoyed that. Oh, yeah, all that whole scene. Oh, yeah.
0: okay. Yeah, it's been too long since yeah, I've Yeah, and it. And, it,
1: and it plays out, and I remember, like, that's all how it plays out. Like, there's knocks on the door, and they go down, and there's no one there, and then they oh. come back, and then the burglar alarm goes off, and the door is open, and now we see them, how that all played out from the ghost point of view. And I thought that was a good idea, and I thought that it would be like, but Patrick Wilson is like crazy in that scene. No.
0: When the burglar alarm goes off? That's like crazy. That's Parker Crane in Patrick Wilson's body.
1: No. Yeah. No. I don't know what you're talking about. Because they're in the further with the real Patrick Wilson, and then they're in the they go up to the insidious house with the insidious part one Patrick Wilson. Meanwhile, Parker Crane, Patrick Wilson, is in the Insidious 2 house so, trying to murder this family.
0: Oh, so there's three separate... I did not parse this. There's three separate Patrick Wilsons in this movie, then?
1: Four, if you count the boy. Wow. Just because... But but they, they only go to the Insidious house in you know a brief moment. Wait, what do you mean and by the need, Insidious but,
0: house? Do you mean like the original house they're in in Insidious one? The one they move yes. out of? Oh. Yes. Oh, okay. Wait, what are they doing there, then?
1: I forget I what not brought parse them there this whole thing. But, but they're there for some reason and they're trying to get into the house and they're screaming at the family oh. and then you see the events of insidious 1 happening inside the house. Oh. But like cuz cuz this moment where the door gets knocked out. I her. thought that was still and like
0: in the continuity of the, of chapter 2 with Patrick no, with no, Parker no, Crane no, no, and Patrick no, no, no.
1: Wilson's body. No, no, no cuz that's where you see the guy behind the crib which is oh, from Insidious? War.
0: right 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 okay yeah. that's right okay yeah he's in the first yeah. one okay i was because i was gonna say i was thinking about how it didn't make any sense like who that guy even was that's right okay he's from the first one huh weird yeah. i might have to watch this a third time
1: <laughs> you, you might have to but, yeah um so that's right. And sorry. It's, it's kind of a clever idea <laughs> for, for them to say okay we're making we're making insidious chapter two like well what if like it was mostly from the ghost point of view or mostly from the further. Because this is a very much there's much more further in this movie than there was in Insidious mm. One. So it's kinda like, well what if it's it's this a ghost story but from the point of view of the ghosts, which is kind of what it is. Mm. I'm trying
0: to think where we go next from
1: here. <laughs> I mean they find the mama ghost and Lynn beats her with a rocking horse and it lifts the curse.
0: Yeah, I mean there's like some very cool like cross-cutting between time periods and and further in real life and you know we we realized that when josh was little and kind of like creepily pointed to this door to show where the the person who was tormenting him was he was actually pointing to like future patrick wilson and lynchay and would-be harrison ford going through a door to go down to the basement <laughs> to solve this whole situation. So, I mean, it's cute. It's in. It's it's fun the way these kind of timelines and, and realities intersect towards the end of this film. And in the real world, crazy-ass Patrick Wilson is going full, like, fucking Jack Torrance, like, trying to beat down the basement door with a fire extinguisher and being honestly pretty fucking terrifying as he, like, menaces his wife and kids.
2: Yeah, I also thought of The Shining during that sequence. Yeah,
0: it's got big shining energy.
1: Well, they're in a pantry for one thing, like aren't they?
0: <laughs> I thought that was in the base. No, they're in, they're in the laundry room.
1: Oh, they're in the laundry room. Okay, but it looks a little bit like a pantry. Yeah. it's got the it's got the shelves. It's got you know your 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 pantry products in yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all good stuff. You know what? I I cried a little bit oh. watching this movie. Maybe, maybe because I'm a sap. What did you cry on? Um, but it, it no. had, a, it had a, it, it had a dog food moment for me. And what was that? Dog- was the song. Yeah, uh, so, uh, yeah, the song. Oh my god. <laughs> that
2: got me the second so, time around too. The first time I yeah. thought it was sort of stupid. And then I was like,
1: oh. <laughs> Well, doesn't she say, so, like,
2: like she she knows it's really him because nobody, nobody else could play it that so, badly yeah. or something? Yeah, yeah it's yeah, cute. Yeah. It's a cute moment. But,
1: yeah, but, but yeah the because Rose Byrne's been haunted by a ghost playing the piano in her house the whole movie. And then she eventually figures out that, oh, wait, it's playing, like, the song that I composed or something. And, then, and one of
0: her, like, um, clues that Patrick Wilson is truly not himself is when he doesn't recognize the song that she wrote for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a song that she wrote for him because, and that's that's a detail from the first incident. Oh my god, that's right. She was like a songwriter, mm-hmm. oh, um, yeah. but it, it wasn't really developed very much. And so then at the end, Patrick Wilson comes back to his body, and he's like, "I I tried playing the song for you." And, Ro- well, and Rose Byrne is having a
0: great fucking acting moment, just like absolutely not trusting that this is her husband yeah. back in yeah. his body.
1: Yeah, that was great. She was ready to kill him.
0: Yeah. She was ready to kill her and husband. And then he's like, "I tried playing the song," and that's when she realizes it actually is
1: him. Oh my god! Just my heart very melted. Very cute. Very cute. Very cute. And then that's where you get, you know, the, we we can't have a, a, a tender moment like that for very long before you know Tucker comes in and and gives his his Marvel uh, moment, where he's, he def- sucks all the sincerity out of the scene by with a throwaway joke to make the moms laugh. <laughs> To make the moms laugh.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can't forget about the moms.
0: I don't really know if that has anything to do with moms, but okay. (laughs) But yeah, then Patrick Wilson, Ty Simpkins, father and son, get their memories zapped again so that they forget all this and forget their abilities all over again. And then we have a really weird epilogue where... Specs and Tucker and Shea go to a new house to investigate a new thing that, from what I can tell, yeah. does not. This thread does not get picked up in Insidious Three or No, 4. it doesn't.
1: It doesn't. But the gimmick is that um, the two of them will continue to investigate paranormal stuff, and now Shea is with them, but as a ghost.
0: Yeah, I just I, I found a so. really weird and kind of anticlimactic ending because we see her react to something in the in the corner of this house that they're investigating but we don't see what it is and i i don't know that was that was a very strange moment to me especially in a movie that isn't afraid to like show you some shit it was really weird that she was reacting Mm -hmm. so strongly to just like a random shadow in a house where Mm -hmm. we don't know any of the people there it just felt very tacked on and 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 inconsequential to me
1: well inconsequential for sure i didn't mind the scene but have you seen Chapter Three? Uh well, in, in Insidious Chapter Three, and I haven't seen the last key, but I think it's the same. Um, in Insidious Chapter Three, it's it's those parent parent ghost hunters and Lin Shay, but it's a prequel, so Lin Shay is still alive and it takes place before the events of the first Insidious. Mm. Um, so I think they had an idea of where the franchise could go. Yeah. Um, after Insidious Chapter Two, but they decided for whatever reason that they didn't want to have Lin Shay be a ghost. Yeah. Um,
0: so yeah I don't know I mean I might watch the other two at some point I just I don't feel high enthusiasm for it. I mean I love Lynn Shea but obviously I could kind of take or leave Spex and Tucker and you gotta you mm-hmm. gotta have Ty Simpkins you gotta have Rose Byrne you gotta have Patrick Wilson it's just not Insidious without yeah. them
1: it's not the same without them um, although Insidious Chapter 3 is the directorial debut of the new Australian master Lee Whannell
0: oh really Did not yeah. know that. not James Wan yeah. Australian too yeah, I learned that from some tweet that you put out recently, and I had no idea.
2: Yeah. Thank you for clearing that up, because that was actually a question I had going into this episode that I forgot to pose. I wondered, like, how the hell do these guys know each other? They've done so much from together film school. over the years. Oh, really? Okay.
1: They're both Australian, and they I think they met in film school. And they did Saw together as a short, and then they got financing to do Saw as a big movie. And uh, that was all history from there.
0: Well, that's insidious chapter two. That's insipid chapter Poo.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Damn straight. So, what are we watching next time, Steven? Yeah,
1: ov- overall, overall, not a pretty low entry in the James Wan canon, I would say, on my ranking.
2: Eh.
1: Dude, I don't even think. I think I. I don't think I even like it as much as the Conjuring. To really,
0: be honest. I like yeah. it more than the Conjuring. Yeah. It's just fun. It's just a big, fun, silly roller coaster ride. And I like, I yes, like those. Yes, it is.
1: It's, it's like the ride at the fair, the the spooky ride that I was always too afraid to go on, even though I loved spooks as a kid. And then one day I went on it. My dad took me on it. And the first time a skeleton jumped out of the dark, I put my hands over my eyes. And I kept them there for the rest of the ride. <laughs> That's Insidious chat.
0: Did you watch two. this movie with your hands over your eyes?
1: No, okay, I didn't. Okay, good. But yeah, but I understand why it would have that effect on somebody in a the theater. Yeah,
2: in a theater, sure. Yeah, yeah,
1: big sound system and everything. Yeah, yeah. Where are we watching next time, Steven? <sighs> oh
2: my god, you guys! So I, <laughs> I decided we should do a little course correction because we've done two, uh, you know, really big, well-known movies. And we're here to watch the, you know, primarily, I think, to to watch shit that people maybe haven't heard of, maybe have thrown in their queue, whatever, and and let them know whether or not they should spend their time on it. So I'm going to tell you why I chose this movie, and then I'm going to tell you what I just learned about it, and it's going to blow your fucking minds. Mm. Okay, so we are going to watch, in two weeks, Roger Corman Presents Splatter. I'll read you the synopsis. After committing suicide, a washed-up rocker returns from the grave to torment the five people who betrayed him in life. Oh, that sounds Past, fun. featuring Tony Todd, Stuart Penkin, oh, yes. and as the washed-up rocker himself, Corey Feldman. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. But there's more. So, I had never heard of this before. It showed up in in the, the horror movie queue. It turns out this film is only 29 minutes. It is it was originally a three-part web series made for Netflix in 2009 directed by Joe Dante and it's a choose your own adventure. Oh. What? <laughs> so we're we're breaking a lot of ground with this one guys. I'm we're pretty gonna stumped.
1: Have, we're going to have three completely different experiences. I
2: hope so. Wait, so
0: are there only 29 minutes of footage?
2: Yeah,
1: that's it. Huh.
2: Do you, it was like three 9 or 10 minute shorts. Oh, initially, and now it's okay. all been bundled together in one special package. Oh, gotcha. So we'll, we'll so we'll be watching. I, like, I don't all know if I endings. can find the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna like see all the endings then in that twenty nine minutes.
2: I I don't know. I mean, this is two thousand nine. You know, this is like very pre Bandersnatch. So I <laughs> have no idea what this is gonna be
1: like. Wow. I'm kind of excited. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get killed in the first five minutes, and not that's gonna be. I'm gonna review it on the basis of that.
2: <laughs> well, I'm really looking forward to having that experience with you guys in a couple of weeks. I think it's gonna be a hoot.
0: Can't wait. David right. Cage presents. Roger Corman presents. Splatter.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my god, David Cage. All right. What a man. We'll be there. We'll be choosing our own adventure. You can choose your adventure along with us in two weeks for every horror movie on Netflix. I'm
1: Patrick. I'm Chris. I'm Steven. And we will see you next time.